heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them, from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur. The creator. The producer. The ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that. I can help people. And I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world. Others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence. So you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in three, two, one. Hello, and welcome back to The Hero Show. My name is Richard Matthews, and I'm on the line today with Jason Wright. Jason, are you there? I'm here. Awesome. So glad to have you here, Jason. Let's do a quick introduction so my audience knows who you are, and then we'll get into your story. So Jason Wright is the founder of Intentionally Inspirational, which is a digital agency that offers sales funnel strategy, design, development, and management, specialize in active campaign, click funnels, and of course, Facebook ads. Um, and essentially, you help companies get more leads in sales, and you work hard to de demystify all of that lingo. Um, so let me start off with basically what's your business like now? Why do people come to you? What's your, uh, like your, your ideal audience, so to speak, and what do you do for them? Um, all right. So what was the first part of that question? <laughs> what's your business like? What's your business yeah. like now? Yeah, it's good. It's, uh, you know, it's got a piece, um, that is, uh, you know, monthly recurring business. It could be clients. It could be affiliate stuff related to what I do. Um, there's always a piece that's consulting and project based. And, you know, you just, uh, after you work with people for a while, you get that nice, uh, you know, that repeat business and that referral business. So it's predictable, but it's predictably unpredictable as well. I keep get, getting to do what I love and uh, keep making more money doing it and helping people at greater levels do it month over month. So um, enjoying this ride pretty well, my friend. Something else interesting about us is you notice the name is kind of unique. Uh, it didn't start as a digital agency, but the content we create for us and for our clients is um, inspirational in nature where it makes sense. So we talk about entrepreneurship, we talk about digital marketing, but we do it in a way that we make people believe that they can really accomplish what we know they can believe through what we're talking about. Because as you know, that mindset piece is one of the, the biggest challenges in entrepreneurship at, at all levels. So something that we care about quite a bit. Absolutely. So who's your, uh, your, your target market? What kind of, uh, what kind of um, clients do you bring on to do the, uh, the funnel building and digital strategy for? Yeah, so we don't target by niche like a lot of businesses do. We are platform specific, which is kind of our niche. Um, ideally, I like to work with clients that already have established, established products and services. You've probably had, probably had these conversation of businesses that aren't quite sure how they're going to make money yet because of some different circumstances they may be running with. But yeah. um, I like working with that entrepreneur that's doing at least 100,000 revenue or more, has already had some success, but looking to fine tune and optimize that and, and do more online for sure. Seems to be a good fit in that, in that place. Yeah, absolutely. And I, so the platforms you mentioned, you, you spend a lot of time with ClickFunnels and ActiveCampaign? Yep. 
Um, yep, active campaign in the last six months is, uh, for whatever reason, kind of become that front runner. But uh, the thing I like about it, I, I teach funnels like you've got the front end, which I, I like click funnels for. You've got the back end, which I like active campaign for. And obviously you have the traffic piece as well. Generally, when I talk to people for the first time, they're aware of a piece of that equation being out of whack. But a lot of times, as you know, it leads to the other areas as well. So I try to talk about it in very simple terms and, um, you know, help people uh, get those pieces built and get them flowing correctly. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a huge fan of active campaign myself. I do a high level training on it for a lot of different groups. Um, yep. And, you know, you say for whatever reason it's become the front runner. I think the reason is they've built the best campaign builder on the market. Um, yeah. So um, it's, it's far easier to use than, uh, than pretty much every other system there ever was. And you can build really, really nice automations in it. So oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you're, uh, you're aware of all of that since that's what you do professionally. Um, so what I talk about now is your origin story, like how you, uh, how you got into this space, how you got started as a business owner, right? We talk on the show, every hero has their origin story. It's where you started to realize that you were different, that maybe you had superpowers and maybe you could use them to help other people. How did that happen for you? How did you get into becoming an entrepreneur? And have you always been an entrepreneur? <laughs> yeah, I guess I kind of give you the mid to longer story because it's necessary. So back when I was 14, um, I loved to fish. Fishing was my favorite thing in the world. And at a certain point, my mom said, you know what? You have enough tackle. You have enough lures and enough poles that like, I'm not going to buy you anymore. I was like, but that's not going to work because there's new stuff that comes out every year and I want more. So she's like, <laughs> figure out a way to make that's money accurate. then, I guess, you know. So I started uh, looking around and I said, what can I do to generate cash right now so I can buy more lures? Well, I had a few neighbors. We lived in a cul-de-sac. I had a few neighbors across from me next to me and a little bit over. They never really cut their grass. Like it was always like, does anybody live there? And then every so often it'd get cut. So I just went and knocked on some doors one day. I said, hey, can I cut your grass? And if I do a good job, can I do it every week? And all, the, all three people I knocked on said, yeah. So I borrowed my father-in-law's uh, lawn tractor and started making 75 bucks a week at, you know, 13 years old. Well, there you go. So, with no bills or anything, that's a lot of money for fishing tackle back in the, the 90s. So um, that was kind of my first taste of it. And then I started working um, outside of school, you know, at 14. Obviously, um, that was just a job, but um, I always like to work hard and get paid for it. And then after high school, um, again, I was changing oil in a garage for like six bucks an hour. It was awful work. I hated it. And I was like, you know, I can do better than this. So I started a, um, another landscaping company, grew it over seven years. It was my full-time job. I was in college, um, loved the freedom of my time, kind of, <laughs> um, loved the unlimited potential and the creativity with what I could do there. And then, uh, everybody told me you need to go to college. You need to get a degree. You need to do this path. And I don't know why, but I listened and uh, <laughs> did that for about seven years. And I was kind of in HR and sales. And I said, you know what? I'm too, too young to be this miserable. Like, I don't want to do this. So um, a few years ago, I, I took a leap from corporate America, um, change, uh, chasing money. I basically was going to start these neighborhood magazines and it, uh, it failed horribly. You know, I told my wife, I said, we've got six months of uh, savings in the bank. And uh, quit my job and went and bought a luxury car. I just made all kinds of mistakes, you know. And uh, within a few months, I was out of money and uh, really, really unhappy. So had to go back to corporate America. And then basically, um, Intentionally Inspirational came to me one night. I woke up and I said, I don't know what this means, 
but I know it's going to change my life and I don't, I don't know why or how. So I started blogging. I didn't really know who I was blogging to, but it was kind of about entrepreneurship, you know, forget the nine to five, that kind of stuff. And I started getting some responses, you know, people, I needed to hear that, or this is really good or things like that. But I was like, there's no money in this. So how do I get this in front of more people? How do I grow a list? So I kind of figured out some digital marketing on my own. And then when I realized other people needed help with it, then kind of the light bulb went off. So that's kind of the, the highlight. Like how it got started. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then over time, you know, I've just kind of pivoted uh, where the opportunities have been and where my strengths have been as well. So. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it sounds like our, our stories parallel a little bit. I started my <laughs> first business at, uh, at 13 as well. Uh, um, selling candy bars on campus before I got shut down for not having a business license. But yeah, I've <laughs> made like 1500 bucks before, uh, before wow. they shut me down. Um, in my, yeah, yeah. So it was, it was really good. Um, but yeah, and I, I paid my way through college with a, as a photographer. Um, so doing a service business like landscape scaping and stuff like that. And then, uh, started my, um, consulting practice after college. Um, and have been growing it for 15 years now. Um, so yeah, it's very, very similar that uh, we've ended up in that in that space. Um, I never did go through the blogging stuff. I'm still in that process of like, I need to figure out how to get my message out more. That's actually one of the reasons why I put the this podcast together was to just force myself to constantly be talking to cool people and putting out good content for, for, uh, for people. So yep. absolutely. So my, uh, my next question for you is your superpower and superpower is basically it's, it's the thing that you, you, th you bring to bear in your business that you think is unique to you. Um, that you really, um, it really helps build or solve problems for your clients. Um, you know, the thing you use to slay this world's villain, so to speak, if you could nail that down and say, Hey, this is a superpower. This is what I bring to my clients that they can't get anywhere else. What do you think that is? Yeah, I think with, my clients, the, the thing that's unique to me is um, I can speak to anybody. You know, I can communicate in, uh, in anybody's level of understanding and keep things very simple. But I think I can also get people really excited and give them belief that, hey, maybe you've tried this five or six times with different people and it hasn't worked, but it's going to work this time. So I'm really, really good at building rapport quickly. Some very often, um, very authentic, very transparent got a great track record. So um, I bring people in really close. I'm really good at that relationship building piece. And, and part of that is, uh, you know, inspiring confidence and getting results as well. So yeah. And so when it comes to to doing that, have you found that being when you bring someone in close, and you can get them to, uh, to, I don't know, take chances they might not otherwise take that you see them make major leaps in their business? Yeah, when people are willing to listen to what I have to say, so, you know, as well as I do, sometimes people have all their own ideas and it's like, if they're not going to trust you to, to run with some things or they're, they're going to limit their, their opportunities sometimes. So if people will actually do what you tell them to do and give things a shot, yeah, people can make some big leaps for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the other side of your superpower, um, we talk about is your fatal flaw, right? It's the thing that, yeah. uh, that holds you back. So you're, you know, Superman has his kryptonite. Batman's not actually a superhero. He's just rich and dedicated, right? What's <laughs> uh, that's probably unfair, unfair to Batman. He's totally a superhero, but you know, he doesn't have any supernatural powers is my point. Yep. Um, so my, my question is what is something that has held you back in your business? Something that you've struggled with that you have to uh, work on. And I think more importantly, how have you worked on that? So other people who might struggle with something similar could learn from you. 
Yeah, this is one that people are going to resonate with. So it took me a while to identify it, but um, shiny object syndrome combined with a lack of patience. So the first, um, so we just hit four years in business. The first, I don't know, year to 18 months, we didn't really make any money and I couldn't figure out why. I was like, why is this business not making any money? And then one day I stopped and I think I was actually listening to Gary V and he was saying something in a much more colorful way that boils down to stop focusing on the things that don't matter. I was like, what is he talking about? I started realizing that I was focusing on all these different areas of my business that were fun, but they didn't translate into revenue. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm not going to worry about the logo. I'm not going to worry about this stuff. I'm going to focus on finding the business, selling the business and bringing in the revenue. And when I, so when I started to focus on the money-making stuff and stopped looking at every new program and all this stuff that people like to do that doesn't matter, things started to change for me. And the other piece along with that lesson that I learned is, um, like I told you, when I quit corporate America the first time, I thought I was going to go from zero to 80 grand in revenue in three months. And I don't know where I came up with that number, but I went from zero to zero in three months. Yeah. What I learned was <laughs> the timeline is not up to me. The timeline is Les Brown says, you know, how is none of your business. It doesn't matter how. Um, and you can't, you can't put a time on it. You can say, I need this to happen in six months. It doesn't mean it's going to. So once I became patient and I started to prepare for opportunities not yet seen, then when things did come along that I'd never seen I was ready for, I could make things happen. So patience is a piece of that and staying focused on the most important stuff. Yeah, they say uh, luck favors the prepared, right? You got to actually, actually be ready for the opportunities when they come by. I think that's a really important lesson. Um, I know something that I struggled with for a long time as well is that whole shiny object syndrome. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing because when you're, especially when you're a beginning entrepreneur, you have a skill set gap, right? Yep. And you have the ability, especially today, to go and fill in the gaps with training. And the problem that I ran into um, was I would like to learn a thing and then go and learn a thing and then not do anything with that learning. Mm -hmm. Um, So you end up with all these all these untested you know, knowledge skill sets instead of like real world skill sets. Yep. Um, and that's how you, that's how you go from zero to zero in three months, right? Is, is yep. by learning a bunch of stuff and not doing anything with it, right? right. Not doing the, uh, the, um, the revenue producing activities, so to speak. Yep. Um, yeah. And I guess I, one of the things that I've learned, I'm curious if you've sort of learned the same thing is like you have this whole like library of potential skill sets mm-hmm. and you realize that the money is going to come when you focus on something that you can really, bring a unique set of skills to. Absolutely. And the thing that I figured out for me was I had to have this talk with myself and I guess I'm a fairly proud person. I mean, I never thought of it that way, but I had to have this talk with myself and said, Hey, you're never going to be good at these things over here. Like you might be okay if you work really hard, but this little spot here is where you have the potential to be legendary and it's connecting with people. It's getting people excited about what we're doing. It is, selling the business it is doing the strategy and the architecture like that's that's where i'm strong and then i figured out there's other people that are strong in all these areas where i'm weak so i need to surround myself with the right kind of team so that we make a a strong complete team and it was it sounds easy but it was like i almost had to act like i was uh admitting defeat to myself but i was like wait every organization does this like this is normal like this is the right step so 
once I had that talk, I stopped worrying about becoming the best designer in the world because that's not my skill set. You know, am I decent? I'm decent. Am I a good copywriter? I'm good, but I'm never going to be great. And I don't want to be great. It's too boring for me. I don't want to write copy. I want to talk about where you're at and how to get you where you want to go and let's make it happen. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I totally feel you there. I was like this last year, December timeframe. So like, right, it's almost 12 months now. Yeah. I was having that same conversation with myself. I was a solopreneur and I did all the copywriting and I did all the design. I did all the things, you know, because I was, I was, I was 80% good at all of it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and I was like, I really needed to figure out how to push myself beyond that and realized that I needed to let go and bring in other members. And you realize that, you know, they're just as good or better than you are oh, yeah. right? at, at designing a copy. Like one of the things I particularly am terrible at is, um, is all of the, uh, I don't know what you'd call it. You know, when you have a strategy, like I'm really good at putting the strategy together. Mm-hmm. Like here's all the things that we need to do. And then we have to actually like go out and, you know, click all the buttons and push all the things to make those things happen. Yep. That bores the crap out of me. Yep. Um, and so I'm terrible at getting those things implemented. So bringing people on that are like, I really like to push the buttons and click the things and get them all done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> check off all the things on the list. Um, yeah. you know, it changes the game for your business when you have people oh, yeah. who are strong in those areas. Yep. Well, it's funny because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the most organized person at all. I'm the least organized person on my team, but you know, it's, having one or two really strong organized, organized people around you, they, they have enough to, their cup runneth over for everybody, which is great. You know, my, the person that's been with yeah, me absolutely. the longest is uh, so organized, doesn't miss deadlines. And like, I don't know what I'd do without her. I'd be a wreck. So, but yeah, if it were up to me, it would just be a, a messy canvas of things and it'd get done eventually, but not necessarily in the right order or, you know, so. So how big is your team right now? So it's small. It's uh, me and I've got a content team of uh, three. So we've got two writers, an editor, and somebody that does the graphics. And then uh, I've got a VA as well. Nice. It's about the same size as uh, my team. I've got a, um, I've got a project manager or um, I call him my chief of staff. He's the one who manages all my stuff. He's fantastic. We got two part-time people and then we got a graphic design team that we hire out yep. uh, that we work with, you know, an individual person on their team pretty regularly. Um, so yeah, that's a, it's a great thing. I'm looking at, uh, probably expanding the team over the next year or so, so we can take on more clients. But that's, that was like the thing that unlocked it for me was realizing that once you had a team, now I could, it, it wasn't like my time of allotment was not our bottleneck. Yep. Right. Um, and that was, it was a huge thing for me. I was like, suddenly I have more people on my team. I can bring on another client and another yep. client and another client. And if I, if we need to bring on another client, we can add more to the team. And I was like, Oh, this yep. is, I was like, I don't know why I never made that connection before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it was, uh, it was definitely something that, uh, unlocked, um, unlocked our stuff for that. So how long have you been, uh, been working with a team? So since this is really funny, I did this backwards, uh, since day one. So back when I first got started with intentionally inspirational, maybe like a couple months in, two or three months in, I hired my first team member and I wasn't making any money. So my wife is like, what are you doing? I'm like, just, you're going to have to trust me. And she's like, but I don't even understand what the business is. I haven't figured it out. I haven't figured it out. So here's what's going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. There's some rough times for the marriage in those periods. I mean, it's, it's no joke. It's uh, be very strenuous. If the the spouse is not an entrepreneur, doesn't understand Mm -hmm. the way your mind works. But here was my, my thought is like, Carmen, 
when I figure this thing out, we're going to get more business than I can handle. And I need to have another person there to help me with these areas. You know what I mean? So eventually it panned off and I was like, I can actually pay them not with a credit card and actually pay them with business money, which is great. So I've worked with the team for almost the whole four years. Um, it's, it's makes me feel good that this year it's been really steady for the people that have been with me. So I don't have anybody full time. I have some people in the 15 to 20 hour a week range, which is great to say, Hey, you can contribute to something larger than yourself as brand. You can do it on your time because they are freelancers, but we talk every day. So it's like a family and you can make some money doing something you enjoy, you know? So that's yeah. worked out well for me. But what's funny is like a year ago, I actually had a bigger team than I did now, but I was, and I'll see if you've had this problem. I was trying to surround myself with other people like me, but the problem is they're too expensive. So I was like, how do I, how do I scale this the right way? And how can I do it profitably? So I learned that I can take people that are um, capable of learning and teach them my way of using active campaign and teach them my way of using click funnels. And maybe it takes a little bit more time, but it's more cost effective and everybody still wins. So, yeah. So uh, the, the way that I've dealt with that um, is cause it's absolutely true. Right. So I, I've, uh, um, I, I talk about it in terms of copywriting because it, the metaphor works for me, yeah. but you have, you have employees that are, that are, um, are, I call them headline copywriters, right? Mm -hmm. Where you could, you could give them like, Hey, here's the thing we want to write about. And then they'll go and write a whole sales letter. Yeah. Right. And then you have like the body copywriters. There's the ones that are like, Hey, I want this. This is what the headline topics should be. This is what the body topics should be. And then they'll go in and they'll do all the work for that. And then you have people that are like template workers where it's like, Hey, here's all the stuff. You just go in and fill in the blanks. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um, and what's interesting is if, um, for me anyways, I've, I've noticed if I, if I document all of our processes really well, it includes things like thinking, um, you know, the thinking behind all of our processes and whatnot, that as I put staff through those things, they start to learn the way that I think about them. And it brings them up from being like a template, you know, template level copywriter to being a body copywriter to eventually they can learn to uh, learn to be the, you know, the, the one who's thinking and asking great questions and, and figuring things out and whatnot. Um, Isn't screen share video a great way to train? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So the way that we do it is I do, uh, we do little five minute processes. Yeah. Um, so we'll take even if it's a big long process that takes a couple of days to get everything done is we'll break it down into little five minute sections. Yep. Um, and then document all those things. So it's like screenshots all the way through and it's written documentation. Um, and then we turn those into checklists so people can, you know, go through the checklist. Here's step one. Here's the document on how to do it right? yep. and all the way through. Um, so it works pretty well. And my, uh, my staff handles all of that for me, which is fantastic. Um, but it, uh, it also allows us to bring people on and scale, you know, like scale them up pretty quick to go from yep. like, Hey, I don't know what your processes are. It's like, Hey, we're bringing you on for this process. Here's the whole list of things you need to know on how to do it. Yep. Um, and very quickly, you know, spin it up, which is super cool. Yep, absolutely. I'm addicted to Loom. So everything's Loom videos, whether it's uh, training staff or telling clients like what I've actually done in their account. And I love that five minute length or less because beyond that, people's minds are somewhere else. Yeah. It's too much. The world's got too many distractions and too much information. I mean, we get hit with it all day long. Everybody listening. So bite-sized yeah. pieces. That's why, uh, that's actually why we do the, uh, the, the documentation from the video yep. um, is cause like the video is really good for recording the process and figuring out how it's done. Um, and then we actually turn it into text with pictures because it's easier for our staff to flip yeah, back and forth with the, you know, 
here's here's the actual documentation on it, which is really nice. Yep. So very cool. Yeah. So my next question for you has to do with your common enemy, right? So every superhero has the thing they fight against, and I like to think of this in terms of your actual clients, the ones that bring on you, um, they hire you for something, and it's something that you regularly run into, like a roadblock you run into with your clients. That if you had a magic wand and you could just wave that magic wand and remove that roadblock, you know, you could get them results better, cheaper, faster, to a higher degree. What would that thing be that you you find yourself struggling with constantly with your clients? Hmm. It's a great question. I don't have an answer for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess, I guess what I would go with is sometimes people are, they're so scared. Like you see this all the time where somebody's like working with MailChimp and they want to move just a few automations and like two lists over to active campaign, which I could do in the time that I just said this. And yeah. So scared to do that. I'm like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what do you think the worst case scenario is? But people, clients will commit to a piece of a strategy, but sometimes they won't just go for all of it. And I don't know what they're scared of. And it's never, you never hear, oh, it's the cost. If you hear it's the cost, you're talking to the wrong people, but it's never the cost. It's some fear of something that's not real. So if people would step out a little more, take some chances, I think they could get you know even better results. Because if you just make a great funnel, that's great to look at, but there's no back end built to it. There's no nurturing, no follow-up, no automation, you're missing some of the greatest piece of the funnel. You know, if yeah, you have no yeah. ongoing strategy with the email beyond the nurture campaigns, what's the purpose of your list, Mr. Customer, you know? <laughs> and you have these yeah. conversations and they'll say, you know, maybe in the future, but like, why? Now's the perfect time. So that's probably what I would say. Yeah, that's one of the things that we always talk about with our clients. And I tell them all the time, I was like, the most businesses, most of the, especially in our, like the space I work when it's all expert brands, Mm -hmm. um, so people who have like their courses and stuff like that, that they want to sell is they put all of their businesses profitability on the front end conversion piece. Yeah. Right. And it's like, I've got my ads and they run to my, whatever my conversion piece is. And it either I, it's basically convert or die. Yep. Um, and then they might have a short reminder sequence after the conversion piece that drives back to it. It's two or three, maybe if we're lucky five emails, yep. and I'm like, I'm like, what you should have is probably, you know, your conversion piece, a liquidation funnel on the front and an upsell chain on the back. And you should probably have six months worth of follow-up that automatically kicks in, you know, doing an offer every couple of weeks that, you know, repitches your same stuff. And the clients that I have who have done that, you know, they're producing leads at, at a profit. Yep. Right. And the ones who aren't are like, they're, they're, they don't have, they don't have the same big business. Right. And yep. it's, it's interesting. And it's, it's funny because I've run into the same thing where it's like, I don't know if I'm ready to do that yet. Um, right. I don't know if I want to put together a six month follow-up sequence or a liquidation funnel or build the other products I need to, you know, to fill out, you know, an upsell chain. Yeah. Um, and I don't get it. Right. Cause they're like, we'll hire you to do something and, <laughs> and then disagree with you on it. Yep. Um, I saw, it totally I, see this, I see this sometimes where somebody's like, I want a click funnel built. And it's funny because when they say something like that, I'm like, all right, I already know that they don't really understand what the sales funnel is because they're just talking about a brand. All right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to educate them, see where they're at. And you'll build what somebody wants and they never fight you on the back end with active campaign. Cause I'll just be honest, click funnels with action addicts. Now follow up funnels is not impressive to me. It's just not, not, it's not, not even impressive. a little bit, not a little bit. And they know that if you heard Russell's recent announcement, they're going to focus kind of back on how they got started and, probably rely much heavier on third parties anyway, which is a good move. But 
Um, anyway, clients will get a funnel built until they, they see how it works, they understand it, and then they have their own idea for traffic. And it's like, okay, I, I can help you with that. What, what's your plan? Even if they don't hire you, and sometimes they'll share their plan, and you're like, oof, that's not. Like, that's like, not going to work the way you expect. I'll, yeah, what I'll say is, like, if you're going to do that, like, you'd be better to not spend a dime at all and just focus on organic traffic because that's, I mean, you're wanting people to convert and you're wanting to do uh, a brand awareness ad for this other business that's not even related. That, you know, that makes any sense. And people will argue with you and do their own thing. And I had somebody reach out to me recently and she's like, uh, the funnel's not working. I was like, are you still using that traffic strategy I told you not to use? And she's like, yes. I'm like, I could have told you this three months ago. In fact, I did. Like, what did you expect? You know? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's it's like why, uh, it's like spending the money on a Ferrari and then trying to fill it up with water instead of gas. It's like, it's a terrible idea. Like why spend the money on the car if you're not going to put the right fuel in it? So, yeah. Yeah. And I know like so those fancy cars, sometimes you need the fancy fuel for. <laughs> Water's <laughs> not going to cut it. Water's <laughs> not going to make it. Though no. I have heard they are working on, on engines that'll convert water into hydrogen and oxygen and blow that up and move forward. I've just had that technology for at least uh, 10 years. So they used to have a concept called the, uh, Oh man, what is the name of it? I can see the car in my head. It's like maroon. I cannot think of the the name, but it it ran on water, and it was uh, the only byproduct with height was hydrogen. But you got to think these big oil companies will buy yeah. up that technology and bury it in a heartbeat. So yeah, yeah, because I got the money too. Absolutely, so, it's interesting. We'll we'll see what that what happens with technology progress for there. That's an entirely different conversation, but oh yeah, <laughs> it's certainly interesting. Yep. So, um. If your common enemy is the thing that you fight against, your driving force is the thing that you fight for, right? So we talk about, you know, Spider-Man fights to save New York, Batman fights to save Gotham, or Google fights to index and categorize all the world's information. What is it that you guys at Intentionally Inspirational fight for? Yeah, I mean, we want to make impact scale. So not only, we, we find that the biggest things that hold entrepreneurs back, it's not just marketing. It's marketing, it's motivation, it's mindset, it's all those things. So we want to get our message and our services and our teachings out there to as many entrepreneurs as we can. It's not just entrepreneurs, it's even small business as well. But uh, a lot of people just get jammed up and I can't do this, I can't do that. You know, if you're a, if you're a, a plumber and you've been a, a plumber that's a solopreneur your whole life and you've never grown, well, the reason you haven't grown is it's in your head, I promise, because I've talked to multimillionaire plumbers that know how to bring on a team and do stuff. So a lot of people get jammed up. And to get to that next level, it might be mindset, it might be motivation or marketing. So we want to get that message out there and be kind of a beacon of inspiration and resources for, for all entrepreneurs and small businesses. Absolutely. Um, that's a good, good, uh, a good point too, that it's not just marketing. They struggle with like, a, I don't know what you call it. It's like the 30,000 foot view. Yep. Of, of what it takes to build a business. Um, and I've, I've run into that a lot. And I'm curious, I'm curious how you help your clients with this, because it's something that um, I know how I do it. But I'm just I want to get your sort of like your thoughts when when you're talking to someone who's like, hey, I have a thing I want to sell. Mm -hmm. Right. And they're thinking I have a thing I want to sell equals profits. And you're coming at that going, well, you have to have more than thing and I want to sell. You also have to have an audience that has a problem that wants to solve that problem, that yeah. your thing can solve that problem in a unique way. You need to have a marketing message that allows you to get in front of those people and attract them. You need to have a back end that allows you to communicate with them regularly. You can like see the picture of yeah. a whole business. And I'm just curious, what's your approach for 
helping your clients see the bigger picture? So I talk about it a lot in, in the terms of a foundation. So I see this a lot. I want to build a funnel. Here's my idea. And, you know, if it's something I haven't heard of or something different right away, I'm going to say, who are we selling this to? And if they don't know, we've got a problem, mm-hmm. right? And especially a lot of times they don't know who they're going to sell it to and they don't have any money for ads. It's like, okay, yeah. do you have any kind of a following? Do you have any kind of a list? Okay. So you have no following, no list. You don't know who you're selling it to and you have no money for ads. Let's, let's take a step back here. Okay. So a lot of times it's foundational. It's you've got to have some kind of a product or service. You've got to know who you're selling it to and you have to know where you can find them. There's a lot of great organic options out there as well. So a lot of times, um, unfortunately, sometimes it's like, Hey, we're not ready to work together. You need to focus on these things first and then you can come back. Um, if people do have some of that stuff figured out foundationally, you know, if somebody wants to promote one piece of their business or one thing, it's making sure they have that digital marketing foundation in place. In my opinion, it's the back end. It's the email marketing piece because if the back end's broken, nothing else you build matters. It can be pretty, but if it doesn't work right, you're going to miss opportunities and waste money. So um, it's just taking everything back to the basics. I think about basketball. I played basketball growing up. If you want to be on the high school team and you can't dribble or shoot, we've got a problem. Okay, not saying you can't someday, well, unless you graduate before we get there, but uh, we've got to get those fundamentals in place first. And, and speaking about it in very simple terms about, you know, the foundation seems to, uh, to work pretty well, but people will pick up pieces of this stuff because there's so much information about digital marketing. And a lot of times I find the people I'm talking to are missing major fundamental pieces of things uh, before we can get started, or sometimes we have to shift focus uh, on the first project as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that's a, it's a, it's a hard thing too, because um, you have to, you have, you have to, for your business, you have to have people who are at a certain place in order for you to be able to help them the best. Yeah. Um, so sometimes, you know, unfortunately it means you have to say no to people, yep. but um, at the same time, like you really want to help educate people so you can, you know, create your ideal clients. So you have to help them see where they, uh, where they are and where they need to fit in. And it's interesting because I think, you know, as much as we might love or not love click funnels, click funnels, um, their marketing message is that, you know, you're one funnel away. Yep. Right. And, and people see that and they're like, Oh, so all I need in my business is a funnel. Um, and, and I think that does a disservice to people who are newer to the space. Yep. Right. Thinking if they come in thinking, Oh, all I need to do is have a funnel. I'll be good to go. And you're like, well, no, that's just their marketing message. And they are a good tool and it probably does behoove you to have a funnel, yep. <laughs> but that's just one of 50 pieces you need to have. Yeah. Funnel's um, not a business, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. A funnel's not a business. Right. And like, it goes all the way down to like, you have to have a mindset and a willingness to take risk. And like, like it's not a, it's, it's still a business. So like one of the things that I regularly talk about um, with my clients is the idea, um, cause I worked in the non digital marketing space, um, as a marketing director for a number of years. Uh, so worked in the solar space and we were doing marketing and to put, you know, 10 and 20 and 30 and 50, hundred thousand dollar solar systems on people's roofs. Um, so high ticket, um, uh, very personal sales that we were doing. We had to put the marketing messages together for that. And the uh, CEO of that company, um, worked with Microsoft and was on the board of like 12 different companies. So real, real smart guy. And I got to sit or sit under and learn from him. And one of the things that I learned from him was 
that every business they're in, they target a 28% margin, right? Meaning that they're spending 72, 73% of all of their dollars on customer acquisition and COGS. And people get into the digital marketing space and they're like, oh, my, uh, my, my e-course doesn't cost me anything to deliver. I have no COGS, therefore I have 100% margin. Um, and the, the first thing that I try to break in my clients is that understanding that you think you're getting into a 100% margin business because you're not. If you want to run a successful business, your customer acquisition costs are going to be higher than pretty much any other business there is because you're not selling a physical good. Um, so I actually, I coach my clients to expect a 70% cost of customer acquisition um, and, and realizing that in order to afford a 70% customer acquisition, you have to have a front end and a back end and you have to know how to handle the customers. You have to know where your customers are and how you're going to spend stuff on advertising and realize that there's, there's like, it's a legitimate business. It's not just, I have a funnel and it's, you know, it's going to make me, uh, you know, hundred percent margins on my sales. Um, it's not, it's not magic, right? It's, it's a business like any other business. You're going to have high customer acquisition costs and you have to be ready to run the business like a business. You'll like this. So one of the first guys that ever hired me to build a, a funnel um, with click funnels that paid, you know, four figures or, you know, four figures that funnels. So when I first ones I did full time, I literally remember we built this guy's funnel. It was a nightmare. I underbid it horribly, but you live and you learn, right? Yeah. Um, it was like 14 steps. Like it was ridiculous. Okay. And we got this thing put together and, uh, he was spending, going to spend good money on ads. And I, uh, I never forget this. We launched the ads and Facebook hadn't approved them yet. And like they had been, been waiting for approval for maybe an hour. So none of them had been approved. And he reached out to me and he's like, do we have any sales yet? And I was like, Hmm, this might be, this might be a problem. What I failed to do is I <laughs> failed to set proper expectations. He was actually down in Vegas and saw Russell present where Russell sold like 3 million bucks and off stage in that one day. Yeah. So he was at the, it was the 10 X thing with Grant Cardone. So he was there. So he was all jacked up on that presentation. And he was like, if we build this thing and flip the switch, like we're going to be, you know, a millionaire overnight. And he actually lived in like Beverly Hills and he was like talking about the house he was going to buy. And I didn't set proper expectations. So I didn't realize he expected it to happen that way, but that's, uh, that's not how it works. So, <laughs> yeah, but so that Russell, Russell has the benefit of having, you know, several hundred thousand people who know, like, and trust him already. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's uh, setting proper expectations. That's something else I've, I've had to learn as well. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a hard game too, right? And that's yep. that's it, it goes far beyond just your with your clients. Everything from like I um, one of the uh, pieces of advice my uh, spiritual mentor growing up gave me was that uh, all contention in every relationship comes down to unmet expectations, um, and generally unmet, unspoken expectations, yep. right? So. Um, you know, the reason your kid gets in trouble is because he doesn't understand the expectation you had for him. And, you know, problems you have in your relationship come down to, uh, you know, you had an expectation that wasn't getting met, probably hadn't spoken about it. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting how that, how that applies all the way through your business and how important it is, especially at the beginning to set up those expectations. So like one of the things I've done is I've started putting in our proposals, there's like expectations on like, Here's what your expected contributions are. Here's what my expected contributions are. Here's what you're looking for, for audience, what we're expecting to spend on advertising. Um, even if they're not hiring me for the advertising, I'm like, here's, you know, you should hire this, you know, someone who has this skill set and is willing to do these things, right? All, 
Um, so we try to get the expectations out all the way at the front. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's smart. It changes the whole experience for both of you, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to talk about something that's a little more practical, right? So and then talk about your hero's tool belt. And this might be, uh, you know, uh, we've talked about a little bit, uh, but practical tools you use in your business to do the work that you do, right? Maybe you got a big magical hammer like Thor or a bulletproof vest like your neighborhood police officer, or maybe you just really love how, you know, Evernote helps you put everything together. What are some tools that let you run your business that you couldn't, you couldn't do without, whether that's team management, client onboarding, or actual delivery of services? Yep. So I'm a, uh, a huge fan of Zoom. I use Zoom. Uh, it's my preferred uh, communication method of choice. Yeah, I try to avoid the phone. I, I think the three years of inside sales in corporate America kind of burned me from the phone. So yeah. I love Zoom. Um, I love Slack, not only for team communication, but retainer clients get a Slack workspace as well. That's great. Uh, try to push people away from email. Messengers Messaging is the way to go for sure. Uh, what else? Loom for the screen share videos. I love. I love Canva. I love Buffer. Um, Calendly. Oh boy, if I could buy Calendly, I would just purchase the company. <laughs> I'd put it in a jar on my shelf. So <laughs> like this one, it's my favorite. Yep. You know what's yep. funny about that is uh, the calendar um, has been one of the only things that has been mentioned by almost every single person we've had on our show. Really is how important their calendar is to them, that they live and die and breathe by their calendar. <laughs> yep. It's something new I've been doing recently is uh, even current clients, like uh, I won't do this ever again, but um, I don't give anybody a recurring meeting. I've got one business venture I do with a buddy. He has a recurring meeting, but no clients get recurring meetings. Everything is by appointment only because stuff changes and after I get stood up a few times, it's like this person's not respecting my time and I'm not doing standing meetings. Mm -hmm. You can book a time like everybody else. So I use a podcast calendar a lot and I use a 20 minute new client calendar, even for current clients. I use that one all the time, but it's great because um, Calendly's mobile app's awesome. And then the desktop piece is great. I never have issues. I almost never get stood up for anything. It's just um, saves so much time. It, it, I think you just come across more professional people take you more seriously as well. So, yeah, I, uh, I do the same thing. I have uh, clients that are like, they'll text me and they're like, Hey, when can we meet today? And I'm like, here you go. Here's the meeting link. I think yeah. it's the same one. Today's it's always not there. Gonna be on there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Today's not going to be on the thing, but here's my link. You're welcome yep. to, uh, to book a time, but yeah, it's good. And it's, and it's, it's for me, right? Because I yep. can't, um, I, I can't, uh, I can't run my life if I don't have the, uh, um, the calendar set up in a, a certain way, right? Because I have time for my family and time for my yep. kids and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I can't just drop everything to pick up and do a call with you, even if we're on a retainer relationship. It's like, hey, we've got, we got to actually plan this stuff and show up on yep. the calendar. So I do actually do some standing meetings with clients I've had for a long time. Yep. Um, you know, just like check on calls that we do on a weekly basis. Um, but they're, you know, at this point, those clients are like, if they were going to stand me up, they'd let me know two days ahead of time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But if, if somebody stands you up two or three times, you're, you're going to stop taking that seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah. Here's what's funny about something you said kind of unrelated, but I'm just going to run with it here. Um, when I first started going after this stuff full time, you know, you're in that mindset of just like hunger. Like I got to take anything I can get. I got to make it work. I need that revenue. But I was, I found myself, we'll say um, even at the early part of this year, um, I found myself uh, chatting with clients late at night, weekends, holidays, 
and my wife would be like, God, is it like, when is this going to change? Like, when's it going to go back? And like, when are you going to get some, some boundaries, some separation here? And I was thinking, I can't, I can't, I can't, I gotta, I gotta please them. They pay the bills and all this stuff. Well, um, late August this year, apparently God had a little wake up call for me. Uh, I woke up on the, actually I was sitting right here. I think it was on the 28th. I had uh, Taco Bell for dinner and I was eating this big chocolate bar, like one of these like Swiss bars, you know, that you buy at the grocery store. It's like three or $4 a bar and a stomach started to hurt. And I was like, Hmm, it's maybe not the best choice of dinner, but stomach pain feels a little strange. So I got up, walked to my bedroom and uh, kind of doubled over in pain. I'm like, something's not right. So I'm going to bed, which I'm a night owl. I don't ever go to bed because I don't feel well. That's not like me. So I was like, hmm, that's weird. I wake up in the middle of the night, um, screaming in pain, go to the ER and like, you have food poisoning. And I'm like, I don't have the normal food poisoning symptoms. You sure it's not something else? And they're like, eh, it's probably, uh, it could be appendicitis. We can do a CAT scan, but you know, it's not, not necessary. It's to your call. And I was like, I guess I won't do it. So a few days later, my appendix exploded um, in my sleep. So I woke up in a lot of pain. This is this September, uh, so into this September. So I missed the first half of the month, I don't remember, um, in and out of the hospital. Long story short, I pretty much lost a month. I couldn't do anything for my business. And um, I always worried that if I didn't answer those weekend texts and calls and stuff, everything would fall apart. But what I found is I was able to let some clients know, like, hey, this is what's going on. And people were understanding and my team stepped up and I still have a business to talk about. So it was like in my mind, I couldn't have boundaries. And then after that, we actually went on a cruise for 10 days because it's been scheduled for a year. So all this time away from the business and guess what? I still have a business. So after all that, I'm changed a little bit. And uh, it's just what you said. It's like, okay, the, the family is very important. So instead of just saying that, you're going to use the calendar or we're not talking. I don't care if I've known you for 10 years or we have a new business call today. These are the rules you play by. If you don't like them, go work with somebody else. And I'm not being rude, but I have to be direct and say, this is my life. And guess what? It works. It works just fine. What's interesting about that is I've actually, I've had that conversation with clients and I'm like, Hey, this is the way I do it. And I will coach them and be like, I expect that you should do the same thing. Right, the, like the businesses, like a lot of the people that I'm working with, they're like, they're running, they're running a business themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you're running this business so you can live the life that you want. Right. Yeah. And if you're letting your business get in the way of your life, instead of being a supplemental part of it, then you have that problem as well. I was yeah. like, this is how I deal with it. So I'll actually coach them through like, this is, this is what we do. This is why we do it. Right. I won't take your calls after five. Right. And it's not, and it's not because I couldn't, I can right? I could take calls after five. And if there's an emergency or something, I'll happily hop on the phone with you. If something's like, you know, we're running a, you know, a thousand dollars a day on ads and something explodes, we'll take care of it. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but for normal, like everyday stuff, yeah. um, it's like I, my, after five o'clock, that's my family's time. Yeah. And, and so you go through the calendar link, you pick a time. If it's not available day, pick tomorrow, right? It's yeah. not going to be the end of the world. Absolutely. Um, and, and that kind of stuff. So yeah, I totally, totally get that. And it's something that I had to, uh, had to do as well. Cause I remember early in my business, same thing, right. You know, if someone was like, Hey, you know, I need a logo down. You're like, I can do that. Right. You'll do anything, right. Just to pay the yeah. bills. Um, but once you sort of really hone in on what your business is and the value you can provide for people, you're able to be a lot, um, your business can really help 
support your lifestyle instead yeah. of being a hindrance to it. It's amazing how you get to the point, and I'm sure you've done this as well, where you start finding yourself saying no to most opportunities, but yet the business still grows. Yeah. And it's about putting your time and your energy and your talents into the most profitable places you can with clients who are going to actually let you do what you do best. Yeah. You, know? you don't need a whole lot of those each month to, to make things go around comfortably, but you can bury yourself with 80 hours of work a week and be miserable the whole time as well. There's, there's two extremes yeah. there. But. And one of the other things I've noticed too is as you, as you say no more, you get more opportunities. Oh yeah. It makes which people is, which want is counterintuitive. to more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's like the open and close cart sequence for products. It's so powerful. You know, say you're running a webinar and you've got a course, but after this particular webinar, the course is only available for 72 hours. Mm -hmm. In the first 24 hours, there's early birds and early bird incentives. Maybe it's cheaper. And there's more bonuses. That kind of stuff makes people act. I mean, we're about to see traditional retail America do the same thing they do every year with Black Friday and Cyber Monday and the holidays, and it's going to work. It's yeah. going to work. On, you know what I mean? My wife will do stuff sometimes, and she'll be like, I know what they're doing you do this stuff. I know what they're doing, but I'm doing it anyway. And I was like, Go yeah, ahead. I, <laughs> tell, I tell people all the, every time <laughs> I tell people all the time that, uh, that persuasion is yeah. effective, whether or not, you know, what's going on. So good persuasion always works, yep. whether or not you're aware of the persuasion. Yep. Um, and, uh, it's, it's true because it's the way, it's the way we function. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really amazing to, to see how you can apply those things and grow your business. And I've noticed just personally that once you start saying no, you start to be get known for the thing that you do really well. And yeah. as you get, I think the reason it happens is because you start to get known for that. It's easier to refer you. Yep. Right. So if you have the guy who's like, you know, I help people with everything, or you have the guy who's like, I help real estate agents drive sales leads from open houses and you run into a real estate agent who's like, man, I really can't figure out the open houses. You're like, I know exactly the guy to refer you yep. to, right? <laughs> you become a lot easier to refer. Um, so the more you say no to broader opportunities, the more opportunities come your way, which is, I know it's counterintuitive, but it's a, it's an important point. Oh, for, it's absolutely. Anytime I talk to somebody new and they're like, yeah, I'm a, a Jack or a Jane of all trades in digital marketing. I'm like, Oh boy, you've been doing this six months or less. I already know. Cause if <laughs> yeah. you get into it deep enough, that is, not the place that most people I know want to be. It's too broad, you know? Yeah. It's too big of a thing and you can't be good at any of it. No, I agree. Yeah. So, um, and, and so when someone's like, yeah, I'm good at all of it. You're like, no, you're not. <laughs> like you're, you're lying to yourself. Um, yeah. it's like, even, even if you are savant and you are really good at a lot of things, you're still not good at all of it. Right? No, it's be. just not, you just can't be there. It's too big of a space. Um, and you know, even people that are at the top of their game, right. You know, we're watching the, the, uh, world championships for gymnastics. Cause my, my mom teaches and coaches gymnastics, right. And they're going into getting ready for the Olympics. And what is her name? Simone Biles, probably one of the best female gymnasts that's ever existed. Mm -hmm. And she still has, you know, the events that she's better at <laughs> than other ones. Yep. Right. And she's, she's performing at the top of her game and is one of the best people to ever have blessed the earth. <laughs> Yep. with her skills and she's still not good at everything right yep. so you know anytime you hear that i'm you know i'm good at all of it then you're like no no you're not <laughs> you know what it's it's kind of goes along the same thing is uh saying no to stuff is uh 
increasing your prices. You want to talk about a counterintuitive thing. Yeah. So I, I told my wife, I don't remember what the price point was, but I was like, Hey, this is what we charge now. Like we're going to take it to here. She's like most people. Oh no, no, don't do that. People won't pay it. And I said, okay, with that mentality, Bentley would never sell cars. Ferrari would never sell cars because you could buy a Corvette and have a fast car mm-hmm. or you could spend four times as much and get a Ferrari and maybe not get any more performance. So why do people buy Ferraris? Yeah. People like buying expensive things and services. They really do. Yeah. There is an exclusivity thing that uh, it's very counterintuitive, but I have no interest in competing with the 99%. I don't care what other people in my industry charge. I don't pay attention to, I don't even know who my competition is. I don't pay any attention to what other people are doing. I don't care. Yeah. You know? I actually, but, I really find that interesting because I, I'm that way. I'm the kind of person who'd be like, if you've got three options, I'll be like, I want the most expensive one because it's yep. the most expensive one. Yep. Right. It's and, super powerful, man. Yeah. And, and, and part of that is because, you know, I've worked really hard to get my business to the point where I can afford to do the things I want to do. Sure. And, and so I avail myself of those opportunities when they, when they come, right. It's because, yeah. you know, as far as I'm concerned, I've gotten to a point where I can do that. Right. So I do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm the same way, even it's down to like, you know, you got the $5 hammer or the $20 hammer at the Home Depot store. I'm buying the $20 hammer because it's going to last <laughs> forever. Yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Um, and that's, and it, it's interesting to see how that works in business. Cause I had the same, same thing going on in my business. I had, Oh man, this is, it's embarrassing to say this, but I had a couple of clients that um, when I first got started, I was like, I, I had one client, I took them from um, $4,000 a month to $40,000 a month in sales. Wow. Yeah. I charged them $500 to do that. <laughs> and then I was like, I had a, another client that I, uh, I did a, um, helped him strategize on their webinar and do a whole bunch of stuff. And we got the front end and the back end thing set up and got it all going. Um, I charged them $500. We did it um, $125,000 in sales in one webinar. We repeated it six weeks later and made it another $125,000. So we did 250 grand in sales and I charged them 500 bucks for that each time. So $1,000 for He's quarter like, million I love sales. you. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was like, man, you know, lesson repeated until lesson learned kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm banging my head against the wall and I, I hired a coach and I was like, what am I doing wrong in my business? He was like, raise your effing prices. And I was like, yep. really? I paid you six grand for you to tell me to raise my prices. He's like, yes. <laughs> and so yep. very next day went out and, you know, raised my prices. I 10 X my prices. Um, mm-hmm. and immediately got a sale. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and what you find out is, is those clients are, better to work with. They understand oh, your, their business so more. Better. Yeah. Um, they don't question everything you say because they're like, I'm hiring you for your expertise. Right. Yep. So that's always a good line. When you hear that, you're like, thank God. Yep. <laughs> right. Like I'm hiring you because you're good at this. So you yep. do what you're good at. I'll do what I'm good at. Um, and what that's also helped me with is my messaging. Right. Yep. It's like, Hey, this is the thing that I'm really good at. And this is the thing I can help you with. And if you're going to hire me, you hire me for that expertise and not for other things. Right. And yep. um, so I think it really helps clarify your business when you, uh, when you raise your prices for, for that kind of stuff. And what's, what's interesting though, is you can't just willy nilly raise your prices, right? You have to like, you have to, to earn it. <laughs> you have to actually have the skill set that, uh, um, that backs it up. If that makes sense. Yeah. You also have to be confident in your pricing. So I had a conversation with a guy two weeks ago and it was uh, for a funnel build and I started talking to him and then he realized like, Hey, I don't understand what an offer is. Okay. You're going to help me develop the offer. He knows who he's targeting, which is good. And he knows what he's trying to sell. So that's, that's always a start. But 
we started talking a little bit more and he's like, we're talking about things nobody else has talked to me about. So he's like, we need to talk about your price. Okay. What, what do you need to talk about your payment options or what, what is it to talk about? He's like, we need to lower it. And I was like, that's not an option, my friend. It's not an option at all. And he's like, well, this is what I have budgeted for it. And I said, you know what? I don't want to offend you. He's from New York. So I'm thinking he can take it. Uh, but your, your budget's not my problem. You know what I mean? Your budget is not my problem. Yeah. It's not. So you can hire somebody to work at that rate. It's just not going to be me. And I'm telling people this because I'm encouraging you to be brave with your pricing. Don't be stupid with it. Be brave with it. But you got to believe in yourself. You got to believe in your process and what you're doing and obviously get people results. But um, he, he came to me about a week later and he said, hey, I'm going to come at you one more time. You know, why do you, how can you justify your price? And I said, because I can, I'm going to grow my business with or without you. I'd love to work with you, but if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. And he said, I'll pay it. No problem. It's really weird. Nothing. There's no, no more value added. It was just a, a confident stance and I wasn't bluffing and it works out almost every time, which is crazy to me. Absolutely yeah. crazy, but it does create a good working relationship that is not started with a discount. It changes everything. Yeah. It changes the relationship. I promise. So, yeah. And it's one of the things that I've noticed too, is we've gotten into, you know, the level of business we've hit is now that people are coming to me because they're like, Hey, I've seen your results in the marketplace. And I've heard from people who work with you and they're like, they'll get on the phone with me and they get to the end of the call and they're, they're like, you know, what do you charge? And I'm like, here's what our, our rates are and how we do, how we do our things. Yeah, $500. <laughs> so I'll tell them what my rates are. And they're like, and they're just like, okay, where do I sign? Right. And the sales calls get easier. Oh, yeah. um, right. It, it's easier to sell a $2,500 a month retainer contract with a percentage of profits nowadays than it was for me to sell someone $500 to help them Isn't make a quarter crazy? million. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that the craziest thing? If you, if your prices are too low, a good indicator is every person you talk to tries to fight you and bargain the price down. It's like, this isn't a garage sale. Like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Yeah. I had a guy the other day was squabbling I don't like to do low ticket projects, but I know that if it's the right project, it has a very good chance to lead into the retainer and the long relationship, right? So you got to pick and choose. But I had a guy arguing over $150 with me. And on principle, I was like, I'm, I would rather have zero. Like I'm not doing it because this is not a garage sale. And we didn't work together and we we're both probably better off because of it. But um, it's like you say, it creates time in your schedule and opportunity for you to work with clients that do get it and do pay more. So. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's a big world out there. The clients that are oh. a good fit for you, yeah, um, are are out there. And that's one of the other things that, like, I used to be scared of competition. It's like, you, you know, no I can't, I can't, like, my friend. Yeah, there is no competition, right? And there's there's so much business. Um, and like, one of the things that uh that I tell my clients all the time is like they'll they'll get something, and they'll get started, and they'll start getting sales, and they'll get someone who's like, they didn't want to buy from them. I'm like, they're, and they'll get upset about that. I'm like, that person is just not your customer. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with having people that aren't your customer. Yeah. Right? There's a whole lot. There's way more people who aren't your customer than people yeah. who are. And yep. a good marketing message is going to filter those for you. So that's yep. exactly what's supposed to happen. And some of these people are going to be like, I want this, but I don't want whatever X, Y, Z. Just don't sell to them. Yep. <laughs> like, Absolutely. it's not a big deal. Like, there's, there's enough people um, for, for you to have a market of, you know, a market full of, of the right people. Yep. And you, it's great that you said that because on your, on your, uh, landing page, your website, you're very specific about who you're talking to, which is great. You've done a great job there. Clarifying your messages, Donald Miller would say, 
And you know exactly if you're in the right place or the wrong place there. If somebody gets there and they're like, no, no that's not me, off they go. But you didn't want to talk yeah. to them anyway. So. I actually, I have a formula for that. All of my clients have a little thing at the top of their website. Um, I call it the give formula, but it's a, it's a way to, to put together your USP. And my goal of all of my clients is that the first hero banner on the top of your website, someone should read that and then think to themselves, yes, this person can help me or no, they can't. Like I want yeah. to get to know as fast as possible. Yep. <laughs> with all of your marketing messages, you're like, nope, that's not for me, right? It's the, the whole, you know, do you suffer from mesothelioma? If so, please listen to the next 30 seconds of this message, right? That's, that's Absolutely. the way we approach a lot of our, our marketing stuff is we want, we want to call out to the people who are or suffering from the problem we can solve. And then everyone else, yep. we want to just ignore our marketing messages. Yep, it's good advice, smart. Yeah. So let me, uh, let me move the conversation on a little bit and talk about your own personal heroes, right? So Frodo had Gandalf, Luke had Obi-Wan, Robert Kiyosaki had his rich dad. Who were some of your heroes? Were they real life mentors? Were they peers who were a couple of years ahead of you or speakers or authors? And how important were they to what you've accomplished so far in your business? Yeah, I would say um, my heroes in the entrepreneurial world are uh, people I've never met. So People I look up to, Russell Brunson, obviously, um, some people, I, I guess, older, you know, older generation like Dale Carnegie, you know, how yeah. to win friends and influence people is, is so smart. Um, Napoleon Hill, obviously, Think and Grow Rich is really cool. Um, other people that I look at, you know, like Pat Flynn, this guy's built a mm -hmm. great business. Um, Steven Larson, who worked at ClickFunnels, uh, I really like what he's doing. He's uh, an up and comer now, but um, I pay attention to that. Um, you know, there, there's a, you know, John Lee Dumas. Um, there's some people I, I watch, uh, Ramit CD. Fire Nation. Yeah, there you go. Ramit CD's another one. So there's some people I watch uh, that I consider at a much higher level of success than me. Uh, it's interesting because I don't like everything all of them do, but you know, you take your bits and your pieces, but um, I'm weird with this stuff. I don't, I don't get, I don't spend too much time digging into uh, what these folks are up to. I, I don't spend as much time consuming content as I once did. I used to spend too much time consuming content and not doing enough. So I've been more in the mode this year of uh, going after the revenue, making sure I've got a stable, scalable business. Uh, but those are some of the folks, as far as people in my own life, um, some of my clients, actually, some of my clients that I've worked with have uh, got really great stories and are just further down the path, you know, different industries, but um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because everyone, everyone answers that particular question very differently, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's like, Hey, it was my mom or it was my grandma that really put me on this path or it's, you know, someone like Gary Vaynerchuk and you know, it's, it's, it, the, the influences in our life are always very different. And it's a, uh, it's interesting to see, you know, who, uh, like how, um, who's influencing what people and realize that, you know, influencers come up from all over the place. Yeah. Uh, What's interesting about me is like my family and friends were the opposite. They're like, don't do this. You can't succeed. The more you tell me what I can't do, the more pissed off I get. And when I get pissed off, I get things done. I'm with you on that. Yep. So Frank Sinatra <laughs> nothing, said at best, the best revenge is massive success. There's, there's nothing better for me than someone telling me you can't do that. Um, because, um, and like I have, it's almost a complex I have, 
Mm-hmm. Um, we're like when you're walking on the hiking trail and they're like, don't walk over here. I'm like, really? I really want to touch walk over the red now. button. Yeah. Don't touch the red button. I'm like, so you really want me to touch the red button, <laughs> right? Like that's the kind of person I am. I'm like, yeah. I just, I want to touch the red button. You know, what yeah. is it? Uh, um, Nemo, don't touch the butt. He touched the butt. Right? Like, that's me. I'm the, I'm the guy who's over there touching the butt, um, you know, the boat. Um, but anyways, the, that's a, um, it's definitely a motivator for me as well. Um, and for me, my family has always been, they've been supportive, but they're like supportive, but reserved. They're like, I understand that you're insane. <laughs> and like, you can continue to be insane. Like, I don't know what you do or how you do it or how you, and at this point they were just like, you continue to get results. And like, so like, I can't tell you not to do it anymore. <laughs> um, but they're like, I still don't quite understand. Um, I think that just comes from, you know, most of my family comes out of the, uh, the on, you know, the employee mindset and yeah, not the entrepreneur here. mindset. Um, so I don't have, I don't have in my family a lot of entrepreneurs that I can go to and look up to. So I have to go yeah. and get those from outside sources. Um, but anyways, like that's, it's a, um, I've had to use that as fuel to continue pushing forward. Um, it's like, even when you don't have someone's full support like your mom or your dad or you know whatever especially when you're young um <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely an interesting thing to push through yep the mentality i have now is who's going to stop me what are they going to do about it you know what i yeah. mean because realistically it's all the six inches between your ears so yeah absolutely so let's go ahead and bring this home for our listeners and talk about your guiding principles what are the top one or two principles or actions that you use sort of every day that you think contribute to the success and influence that you guys enjoy with your company, maybe something you wish you'd known when you started out. Yeah, the the lesson I would give a younger me is uh, patience, my friend. So for you guys listening who want it now, I love the hunger, but you got to be patient because a lot of times that timeline is not in your control. So if you set a finite timeline and it doesn't happen, you may not like the outcome. So position yourself that you can be patient and let things happen. The other piece is um, kind of going back to what I said earlier about my kryptonite is avoid the shiny object, object syndrome and focus. So behind me where I'm sitting now, I've got a whiteboard. Um, I use a sauna to power the details of the business, but I like the whiteboard because I try to create three to five bullet points a day that I'm going to accomplish every day come hell or high water that keep me focused on taking care of the clients and bringing in that revenue. So Stay focused on the things that matter. Revenue matters. No revenue, no business. Yeah, yeah. And I really love the uh, um, the first thing you said there um, is is driving driving towards that business and um, and how you know how you have to you I don't know the timeline is just it's a hard thing to understand because you have to set goals and drive towards them. Yep. Um, and we tend to work better driving towards short-term goals, yep. right? Like a 90-day goal is easier to think about and take action on than a 10-year goal. But the reality is, is you're going to vastly overestimate what you can accomplish in a year and vastly underestimate what you can accomplish in 10, yep. right? Um, so you have to have a, like a, a willingness to put in 10 years of work and then work in 90-day chunks, Yep. <laughs> right? That's good um, advice. Yeah. I always hated the question in corporate America when you're being interviewed and somebody from HR would say, so tell me about your five-year goals. You know, I got to the point with that where I was like, I don't have any idea what's going to be going on in five years. This is, this question really doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. things change so much that, um, like you say, I, I tend to focus, like ultimately I know where I want to go, 
my uh, obsession is impact, uh, impact and scale. You know, I want to I want to get this message and this brand out as far and as wide as I can. Want to help clients and help teach people who want to learn what you and I do. But um, I just lost the rest of my thought. <laughs> it does that sometimes. That's, that's all right. The train left the station. Yeah. yeah. The You were talking about the five-year plan and working in small chunks. Yeah. So I know the ultimate place I want to go, but like you say, I tend to find myself focusing. I do like that quarter, you know, focusing quarter by quarter, because like you say, things can go way slower or sometimes way faster than you think. But um, a lot of times I'll even break it down just week by week. And, uh, you know, obviously day by day, every night I write the day, the plan for the next day. And for the most part, I get everything done and it just keeps me, uh, my timeline from speaking about something to doing is extremely short. If I say I'm doing a webinar soon, I'm probably going to have it started tomorrow and probably have it done in a few weeks because uh, that's what I do. So I tend to uh, try to keep that momentum going and it's easy to do on daily wins. Yeah, that's one of the uh, the things that we've learned from traveling too is that it's 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 hard to like, if just as an example, this last summer, we went from San Diego to Canada. Um, and that was our, our trip. So it's really easy to say, hey, our goal is to get to Canada. Mm-hmm. What's really hard is to say, you know, every week planned out from here until Canada is all booked and done and taken care of. That's very difficult to do. It's very difficult to stick to because yeah. life happens, crap yeah. happens, things break. You have to adjust plans. So what's really a lot easier is to say, hey, our destination, right, our 10-year place is we're going to get to Canada. And on a weekly basis, we build and adjust our plan to get there. Yep. Right. Um, and it, uh, it allows us to, to travel the way we want. And like, so we have, we have like vague ideas of where we're going to be for like the next season, right? We're going to go to Southern California for winter and we're going to go to Florida for, you know, the springtime and we're going to go up the East coast next summer, right? Like those are arching like plans, but we don't have anything booked or anything thought about. And I like to, I like to mirror that in my business. It's like, Hey, we're on our way to this destination and we're going to sort of build the plan, the map as we go. Mm-hmm. I like it. So, yeah. Okay. So last thing we do on the show, something I call the hero's challenge. Um, and it's uh, pretty simple. And it's the, but just this. Do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? First names are fine. And why do you think they should come share their story on our show? Hmm. Just yeah, the first one that pops into your head. <laughs> yeah. Um, it doesn't, doesn't matter how far they are in their, their process. No, not at all. Yeah. So I've got somebody, um, Corey. And Corey why do you think you should come share his, uh, his story on the show? Uh, because he's, uh, you know, he's another one of these, uh, these guys that's not scared to, to go for it. You know, it's not scared to, to quit corporate America and put it on the line and, and go after his passion uh, he's really passionate about what he does, really entertaining guy to talk to, um, learning some of the tough lessons early. And uh, I think he would be a good fit for the show. I think you and your audience would enjoy him. So, Awesome. Yeah. So we'll see if we can connect later about uh, hooking up with Corey and see if we can get him on the show. Okay. Um, last thing, thank you so much for coming on the show, Jason. Really appreciate it. It's been a, an interesting conversation. Where can people find you if they're interested in maybe listening to your podcast or if they're thinking to themselves, you know what, I really like his approach to building funnels and digital marketing. Um, how, how would they reach out and who are the uh, ideal type of clients for you? Yep. So I appreciate you having me on the show. It's been great. 
Um, if you want to find out anything about me or the podcast or what we do, intentionallyinspirational.com is kind of the, the home base for that. You can find out everything you'd want to know there. People I'd love to work with. Is anybody in business who has uh, experienced some success looking to get to that next level or maybe find themselves stuck? I'd love to jump on a quick call with you and see where you are and see if I can help you get where you want to go. Awesome. So you heard him. It's intentionallyinspirational.com. If you are looking um, for help with your digital strategy and funnels, definitely take a chance to reach out to uh, Jason, his team. Sounds like they're doing some really cool stuff. Um, and last thing, Jason, do you have any final words of wisdom before we hit the uh, done record button on this episode? Yeah. Um, I'm just going to echo some of what I said uh, from the bottom of my heart, guys. Um, I know you're probably going after your dreams, right? And that's awesome. I love that. I'm the biggest fan of it. You're going to have times where you feel an inch tall, right? Everybody goes through that. Richard feels it. I feel it. People at the highest levels of success feel it. Don't stop going for it, though. There's nothing more heartbreaking than somebody who gives up and walks away because guess what? You have no idea what tomorrow had in store for you. So keep going after your goals. Be patient and uh, see when you get there. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Jason. Really appreciate it. And we will talk again soon. Awesome. Thank you. Take care.